Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagrakunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadhutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Jaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagaradita Sri Vishakan Vitamscha Umagyana Timirandasya Gyanangana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yenatas my Sri Namayakrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrikrik
ಪೂಜಿತಕೈತೋತ್ರಯೋನ್ಮೂಲನಂಶ್ರೀಮದ್ಭಾಗ ಮಹಾಮುನಿಕೈರೀಶ್ವರ ಸುಶ್ರೂಷ್ಠಾಭಿಸ್ತಕ್ಷಣಾಂಟ್ಲೇಟ್ಸ್ಟ್ಯೂತ್ The highest truth is a reality distinguished from illusion for the welfare of all. Such truth uproots the threefold miseries. This beautiful Bhagavatam, compiled by the great sage Vyasadeva in his maturity, is sufficient in itself for God-realization. What is the need of any other scripture? As soon as one attentively and submissively hears the message of Bhagavatam, by this culture of knowledge, the Supreme Lord is is established within his heart so speaking about atharvashima bhagavatam or or what we could call the sambandha or or philosophical background but it also has something about vidhya or the practice of bhakti so let us let us try to to go through the verse uh, in some detail the first line says dharma projita kaitavotra paramo nirmatsaranam satha let's begin with the first half dharma projita kaitavotra atra means here and as we will notice this word atra is repeated twice in the first in this verse repeating a verse like this is not considered a good style by sanskrit poeticians so when it is done it is either done by carelessness because of a sloppy writer or then uh, by purpose in order to to bring across a point exactly by breaking the rules anyone who who knows about rules oh it says that i'm breaking up i'll try to see if i can anyway i'm hoping it will be better now anyone who knows anything about rules knows that uh, rules are important but it's just as important to know when to break the rules and if you're a p- person who always follows the rules when you go and that one time break the rule everyone is going to notice it if a truck driver swears you will not notice anything and i'm using it in a in a stereotypical way the term now but if a uh, uh, a saint will swear and everybody will be like oh now he's really upset or something so here vyasadeva he's repeating the word atra twice for emphasis atra means here so here in this scripture
only here, only in this, the things that he's going to mention will be found. So he's really kind of catching our attention and trying to place it here on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So here, Dharma Projita Kaitava. Kaitava. So all kind of cheating Dharma is Projita, it's thrown away. Uh, ujita or, or given up. Pra Ujita or Projita. Um, Prabhupada and Vishwanath Chakravarti, they both comment that this means that even those dharmas that aim at liberation, which usually in the uh, dharmic traditions is seen to be the fourth and ultimate goal of life, even that kind of dharma is rejected in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Sometimes uh, it's easier to understand something by contrasting it with something else. If you've only read, if the only Purana you've read is the Srimad Bhagavatam, you know how special a Purana the Srimad Bhagavatam is. All other Puranas are full of this kind of dharma. If you go to this holy place and you give donations to the Brahmins, uh, there's so many chapters about this in, let's say, the Varaha Purana, then you're going to go to heaven for 10,000 years and you're you're going to have amazing sex life and you're going to have plenty of well-behaved children and all these kind of really material benefits. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, this is projita, this is thrown away. The Srimad Bhagavatam, it really doesn't focus on these kind of things, not even on liberation. So dharma or virtue or a good life can be understood in so many different ways. Srila Prabhupada speaks in his purport about the need to, to create a, a human society which is fair, which is economically viable, and all these important things, but the Srimad Bhagavatam goes beyond all of this. So this is the... can be quite people. So the person who has the adhikara or the eligibility or the ability to hear the Srimad Bhagavatam is a person who is nirmatsara. Uh, that means a person who is uh, uh, without uh, um, envy, or a person who is is uh, without um, checking here how, how Vishwanath was saying it. He just says without selfish motivations, but, but uh, it's basically the same thing. A person who is without the the tendency to see himself or herself as the center of the universe. Such a person can actually understand the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam speaks here about nirmatsaranam satam. A sat means a, a, a person who is uh, established in authentic being, to use the phrase of, of uh, Shlasatya Narayan Das Babaji. 
a, a person who is a, a real person, an authentic person, uh, we're all more or less caught up with uh, pretense, with with in pretending to be something that we are not. But a person who is real, who is not uh, covering himself or herself by these different masks that most of us use, and who, more than that, also is free from selfishness and free from envy. Such a person can understand the Srimad Bhagavatam in its entirety. So does that mean then that there's no hope for a person like me, who I'm not, neither a sat. Nirmatsara sat, neither authentic, free from envy. There is some benefit from the Srimad Bhagavatam for even me. And there are some things that even I can understand, but I will not be able to understand everything in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The verse goes on to say that here, again, Atra is Vastava Vastu. Vedium Vastava. Vastu. That's how the second line begins. Vastu in Sanskrit means something that uh, uh, is real and, 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 uh, and uh, something that is has an essence. Let's say, for example, that I I, I walk on a path in the forest, and uh, and I see a snake in front of me on the ground, and I go like, oh no, a snake! But then I look more carefully and I. See, it wasn't a snake, it was just the root of a tree that was going across the path. So in that case, the snake wasn't real, it wasn't a vastu, it was just an, uh, an illusion or a, or a superimposition on uh, my, my fears and my, my thoughts about the snake made me see a snake in the root. So it wasn't a real, it wasn't a, the vastu of a snake. So some things are real, some things are illusions. Um, and surprisingly, many things are actually illusions. We have very illusory views, for example, of ourselves. Um, I, for example, having uh, grown up with a father who was a very, very hardworking person, I know somewhere instinctively that I'm a very lazy person. Others may not agree, but I really think that I'm a lazy person. Uh, it's not a very real understanding, perhaps, but emotionally, that's that's where I am. So my understanding of myself is not very correct. And the, the same is true for most of us. We may think that we are lazy. We may think that we are hardworking. We may think that we are smart or stupid or pretty or ugly, usually we are not very accurate in assessing ourselves. Neither are very we very accurate in assessing other people or this world. We make mistakes not only about snakes and, and roots, we make mistakes about how to uh, invest our time, how to invest our emotions, and so on and so forth. So the Srimad Bhagavatam, it deals with vastu. It deals with realities. It doesn't get bogged down in 
all of the things that our mind may like, but that will actually not be beneficial for us. Because that's another meaning of the word vastu. It's something that is real, but also something that actually has some point, some meaning in life. And the Srimad Bhagavatam deals with vastu, but it deals not only with that, but with vastava vastu. Uh, the real, the reality of reality, <laughs> or or the, the truly real, out of everything that is existing, the one existence that lends it exist, its existence to everything else. When I was a very new devotee, uh, one person told me, our temple president, he said that Actually, it's more certain that Krishna exists than that you exist. And when he said it, it kind of sounded cool, but I didn't really understand what he meant. But only much later, I, I understood that the idea is that existence or sat is not something that is to be taken for granted. Existence. Existence, uh, there doesn't have to be an existence. Like, like the physicists are thinking about uh, the time before the Big Bang. There was, it's not that there was an empty universe. There wasn't a universe. There wasn't space. space. Uh, so existence in itself comes from the existent Godhead. Krishna shares his existence with the world and with the jivas, just like he ch shares his consciousness and his bliss, he is sat-chit-ananda. So the real reality or the existent existence is the very fountainhead of reality, the very fountainhead of existence, that is Krishna. And this is the topic of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Vastava Vastu the reality behind all other seeming realities or reality is Shiva. If you want to, Maheshwara, you can also take it like that. Krishna and Shiva are always connected with each other. It's uh, one understanding of, of one of the Namaparads is to think that Shiva and Krishna are entirely different from each other. But generally, Acharyas understand Shiva Dham here to mean it gives auspiciousness. And auspiciousness in the sense, of course, of the highest auspiciousness, not just auspiciousness, auspiciousness in the sense of good luck or or better weather tomorrow or something like that, but auspiciousness in the sense of bhakti, uh, engaging with the Srimad Bhagavatam will rub off bhakti on us. And this uh, auspiciousness is then contrasted in the last part of the second line. Tapatrayonmulanam. Unmula and tapatraya means the three uh, sufferings, suffering from the self, 
on the body and the mind, suffering from other living beings and suffering from nature. These three types of suffering, they are uprooted by the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uprooted means that uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam doesn't simply take away uh, suffering right now or maybe alleviate it a little bit, but it deals with the problem from the root. And now we could ask, ask ourselves, we've been reading the Srimad Bhagavatam for years and still we're suffering sometimes like anything. So what kind of talk is this? The idea, of course, is that just like if you want to, 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 to uproot a, a weed in your garden, uh, you have to do some work. Similarly, engaging with the Srimad Bhagavatam is not something that we just do once. We just uh, listen once to the Srimad Bhagavatam and everything is taken care of. It may happen like that. <laughs> there are stories like that. But those are, of course, extreme cases. In most cases, we need to dive into this text again and again and let our consciousness be bathed by the words of the Srimad Bhagavatam. In the third line, uh, that means the great sage or Vyasadeva, when he composed, when he has composed this Srimad Bhagavata, what use is there of others? Kimba Parair. Shla Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati has famously said that uh, if all the books of the world would be lost, or maybe it was Bhaktivinod. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. Maybe, yeah, it was Bhaktivinod, I think. In his Bhagavad speech, he said, if all the books of the world were to be lost, but the Srimad Bhagavatam would be saved, not that much would actually be lost. <laughs> That's a scary, scary thought to me that all the books of the world would be lost. But at least there would be one very excellent book left for us to study. Uh, a person like me who likes to read many books is, of course, hampered by the fact that when I read many books, I don't read the books very carefully. I go from one book to another, like a bumblebee going for new nectar from new, new flowers, instead of going deep into the one book. I think it would be very good for me if I would be stranded on a desert island with only the Srimad Bhagavatam. And this is what the verse here says. Srimad Bhagavatam Maham Bhagavati Mahamunikriti Kim Vaparai. Now that we have the Srimad Bhagavatam, what use is there of other books? Of course, there is some other use of some use of other books as well. We do read the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the, the uh, um, Brihad Bhagavatamrita, the Gita, and all these other Bhakti Shastras. But the Bhagavatam really is the main book of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Srimad Bhagavatam Pramana Mamalam. Srimad Bhagavatam is the the unsullied or the, the completely pure 
pramana we hear in one verse uh, it's the fountainhead again i'm using that word word but it's a nice word it's the the fountainhead of all uh, philosophy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and it's something that we see in all the writings back to the Srimad Bhagavatam he says everything else we can use the other books to bring out details we can use the other books to give inspiration and spice so to speak but we should keep grounded in the Bhagavatam. Uh, and then he says, in the last, or, or beginning of the last word of the third line, and then in the fourth line, Ishvara sadyo hridyavarudyate trakritibhi susrushubis tatkshana Sadhya means immediately. Ishvara Hridyavarudyatitra. Here. Actually, <laughs> I said that he repeated the word Atra twice, but he actually repeats it three times. In the first line, the second, and in the fourth. Uh, in the heart, immediately. Uh, and Tatkshanat also means, the, the very last word here means uh, immediately or without delay. Uh, even if one engages sushrushubis kritibi, if one engages with faith and devotion with this text, then the Lord will be established in the heart uh, immediately. So it may take some time for the full purification to happen, but already the first time that we engage with the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, something is going to happen to us. And I'm sure we have this experience, all of us. And the first time I had to do with the Srimad Bhagavatam um, was in a, uh, many years back. I was maybe 14 or something like that. My grandmother had bought the first canto uh, on the street here in, in my hometown in Finland. Uh, she was very unhappy about it. She had bought the Srimad Bhagavatam and she was very unhappy and angry about it because what had happened was that uh, uh, a devotee had come up to her and said, Hello, madam. You have been chosen the loveliest lady in town. So I will give you this book. And he gave the book into her hand and she was very happy. And then he said, and now you should give a donation. So she gave a donation. And she went home with the book, but she was very upset because not very surprisingly, she felt she had been cheated. Uh, but she took the book with her anyway, and she put it in the bookshelf. And uh, I saw the book and it was blue and it had these uh, golden suns on it with strange persons within them. And I opened the book and I couldn't figure out at all what the book was about. Uh, part of it was in Sanskrit. Part was in Finnish. And part 
seemed to be in English as well because it was his divine divine grace, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. So it was the strangest book I'd ever seen. But there was something very interesting in the book, and that was at the end of the book, there were ex explanation of the Sanskrit letters, uh, the Devanagari letters. And they looked a little bit like the letters in the appendix Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, when he's explaining about the dwarf, dwarfish and the elvish uh, writing systems. So I thought that was cool and interesting. So I remember looking at that and trying to figure out how this Krishna word was to be pronounced. I maybe spent half an hour with the book and then I put it away and I didn't remember it until much later. But Krishna says here, Sadhya Ridya Varudya Tetra if we engage with this text with devotion and faith, and I didn't really have a devotion at that time. Uh, I don't even know if I have it now, but certainly I didn't have any devotion at that time towards the book. And I also didn't have faith towards the Srimad Bhagavatam. I just thought it was an interesting and strange book. Uh, but there's some power in that book that made me pick it up and that somehow captivated my mind so that later on I could then uh, go back and, and properly study it. But it gave me some kind of, of a seed already that very first time. So when the Srimad Bhagavatam here says, immediately, Engaging, the Lord will be established. It's something many people have had experience of. Uh, so I'll read the translation again. Full translation of the first verse. The second verse goes like this, according to Prabhupada. Completely rejecting all religious religious activities which are materially motivated. This Bhagavata Purana propounds the highest truth, which is understandable by those devotees who are fully pure in heart. The highest truth is reality distinguished from illusion for the welfare of all. Such truth uproots the threefold miseries. This beautiful Bhagavatam, compiled by the great sage Vyasadeva, is sufficient in itself for God-realization. What is the need of any other scripture? As soon as one attentively and submissively hears the message of Bhagavatam, by this culture of knowledge, the Supreme Lord is established within his heart. So the word Krishna has been the process, the process of listening, whereas Prabhupada delightfully says the process of oral reception. Uh, this is the fundamental process of bhakti. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Archanam, Mandanam, Dasyam, Sakya Mahatmani, Vedanam. Uh, as Prahlad Maharaj says in the seventh canto, Bhakti begins with listening, shravanam, whether it means listening through our ears or listening through our eyes when we are reading. Nevertheless, this kind of 
taking in knowledge is uh, essential on the bhakti path. We often get the impression that it's something that we do in the beginning, but it's actually something that we need to do all the time in all the different phases of bhakti. We see this in Mahaprabhu's life also. The Chaitanya Charitamrita ends with Mahaprabhu. Listening to right sighting Jayadev and Vilamangal uh, and so on. The listening is something that uh, is central in the Bhakti path from the beginning right up to the very end. And this is true for Srimad Bhagavatam as well. For the beginner, there are many things to learn in the Srimad Bhagavatam, but there are also many things for the advanced practitioner to, to, to engage with in the Srimad Bhagavatam. We have here on a Bhagavatam group, it's once a week, and we will read the first chapter of the 10th canto. Um, and it's quite exciting, of course, because everybody knows the 10th canto is the center of the Srimad Bhagavatam. But reading the Srimad Bhagavatam systematically, like we have been doing, has been very good in, on many different levels. And one is that it really showcases how the Srimad Bhagavatam is the centerpiece, how the 10th canto is the centerpiece of the Srimad Bhagavatam but also why it is so extremely important to read the first nine cantos before you get to the 10th canto. The, the, the parts in the 10th canto showcasing Sakya, Bhava, and Madhurya Bhava, uh, they really stand out when they are contrasted with the more Aishwarik, uh, uh, Shanta, and Dasya moods that, that come out in the previous cantos such as the, the, the love of Dhruva, the love of Prahlad, and so on, for the Lord. So the Srimad Bhagavatam is a book for beginners, but also for advanced practitioners. And it's also, like any classic text, it's text that gets better by rereading it. You read it. go back to the beginning and so on. The philosopher Gadamer speaks about uh, the hermeneutic uh, cycle or the, or the hermeneutic spiral where you, you go uh, into a reading or, a, or, or an understanding of anything with some kind of uh, knowledge from before, some kind of presupposition, which colors your understanding. So if I read a book for the first time, I'm going to understand it through the kind of glasses that I already have, through whatever I know from before. But then when I go back and read it again, my previous understanding will not be simply my kind of own previous understanding, but it will also be colored with my previous understanding of the book. So I will get kind of closer to what the book is actually saying by approaching it again and again.
Slavishwanath Chakravar, who brings an example about this, this uh, uh, that, the, that, that Krishna becomes established in the heart immediately, he says that that's true for those who are qualified. For those who are not so qualified, there's a slight delay. And slight can be a few years or maybe a couple of lifetimes, but just a slight short delay. Uh, and uh, uh, he already, in his commentary, he already uh, speaks some or writes something about uh, the, the things that are going to follow, like, for example, the, the abbreviated form of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the second second uh, canto, uh, the Bhagavatam through the four verses. Uh, and this he does, of course, to, to kind of give the reader some kind of a taste already for everything that is going to come. Uh, he writes also about uh, this Shivadam, or auspiciousness, really referring to, to Bhakti and to, to Prema, the ultimate form of Bhakti. And he, he quotes some, some nice verses. Uh, for example, uh, one of my, my favorite verses. Madura madura metan, mangalam mangalana, sakalanigamavalli, satpalam chitsvarupam, sakridapiparigitam, shraddhaya helayava, briguvaranaramatram, tarayit krishnanama. The auspicious, the name of Krishna is sweeter than the sweetest, the most auspicious of all things auspicious, the highest fruit in the tree of all the Vedas, and it is composed entirely of pure consciousness. O best of the bhikkhus, having once heard it with faith, or even in negligence, it can deliver any human being. Now, which one chapter he speaks about? about the importance of the name of the, the Lord. But there doesn't see any name of the Lord in this verse. There's only the very general word Ishvara. Wouldn't it be nicer if he would have the name uh, Gopala or Gopinatha or, or, or some uh, intimate name of Krishna like that. In a way, yes. But uh, these three first verses, they aim at presenting the Srimad Bhagavatam to a very large audience. The first verse uh, deals with all these Vedantic concepts of uh, um, consciousness, uh, um, freedom from illusion, uh, agency, um, creation, kind of big topics. Similarly, here in the second verse, uh, it's still too early to really go into to, to, to the rasa properly, but it's not very much too early because that will happen already in the next verse, in the third verse. we can see uh, the name of the Lord uh, kind of hidden here. The word Tatkshanat, 
the last word here in this verse, which is a compound word of tat and kshana, which is which means without delay. Vishnu Chakravarti says that kshana can also mean a festival. It's another another uh, meaning of the word kshana, not as common, but it's still a, a real meaning of the word kshana. So who is a veritable festival to, for the mind, a festival for the eyes, a festival for the ears, a festival for the nose and the touch and the taste? What is the being that can offer the most nectar to all of these uh, sense, senses? That is, of course, Krishna. So we can see him hidden like this in the verse. Uh, Shivadam. can also be any of, of not only the word Ishvara, which means the, the the controller or the king or the lord, but also in these other words. So these are some things that I, I wanted to speak about uh, in the second verse. Are there any comments or questions? I think it was breaking up again, but are there any comments or, or questions on this, this verse? Shraddha is writing, when I read the beginning of the Bhagavatam, I feel that there is a sense of celebration of its existence. <laughs> that's very well said, thank you. A celebration of its existence, definitely. That's, that's something that's going on here. Uh, a kind of a of, of proud kind of calling out, here we have the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, a text that is different from other texts. And of course, it's, it's something that you can say, like, this is the best of all books, it's wonderful, Kijai. But the wonderful thing is here that what we read here is going to be uh, borne out by the text in, in the next 17 thousand and nine hundred and eighty uh, eight verses uh, it really describes itself it's not just offering offering uh, empty words but yes that's a that's a good point Any other, any other Then it is my, aha, it's breaking up again. Okay, but if there are no other comments or, or questions, then it is again my, my uh, privilege and the happiness to thank you, all of you for attending.
I'm, I'm sorry for the, the internet not functioning as it should have. Um, thank you, Shraddha. Thank you, Bratisundari, Madan Mohan, Omkar, Shamananda. I hope you will have a, a nice continuation of the, the week and the weekend. And I hope to see you all soon again.